This is Perspectives, the show where an examination of our many differences often shows us how much we have in common. I'm Condis Presley. All this week, voters have had an opportunity to participate in early voting for the May 24th general election primary. Now, on Tuesday, everybody has to go to the polls if you're going to participate because early voting ended on Friday. Joining us with some tips on what you need to know and where you can find key information as you make a decision about how to cast your ballots on Tuesday is Richard Barron. He is the Fulton County Director of Elections and Registration. Richard, thank you for coming in and spending a little bit of time with us. I appreciate being here. Thank you. Do the precincts change frequently? And if they do, why does that happen? The precincts between uh, the November 2014 election and this election, they ha- we've had 81 precinct changes. They happen because of factors that are out of the control of the county. They can be because of construction at a, at a school. A school has no more room for us. Uh, the price of rent that we pay, which we have to for certain locations, goes up to make it, you know, economically unviable. Um, there are there are a lot of different reasons. Sometimes uh, parking, uh, ADA compliance, those all of those reasons go into why we have to move a polling location. We don't like to move polling locations. Yeah, because people get used to. I mean, I know in my community, I get a, a card in the mail that reminds me of this is my precinct and all of the key information. This is my congressional district. This is my state house district. This is my state senate district, and all of those details. And you're telling us that in Fulton County, voters receive this in a letter to make sure we know what, well, they know what they're looking for. The the precinct cards are required for us to send out whenever whenever somebody updates their registration or is, has a new registration or we change the polling location, we send out those precinct cards. Over time, we've found that about twenty five to thirty percent of those precinct cards never make it to the voter, and or they are delayed in the mail, and we've had issues with that. Um, because of the 81 precinct changes between November 2014 and the March 1st presidential preference primary, we had we had a lot of issues uh, with those cards. And so what we decided to do leading up to this election was let everyone know where they're going to go on election day for this general primary. And then if we have to do anything in the future, if we have to change a polling location, we'll send out the precinct cards, but we're going to follow it up with a head of household mailing every time in order to be sure that the voters are receiving those. Yeah, because the last thing you want is somebody to show up at one precinct only to be told that they needed to go to another. Then they get frustrated. It shows up on the TV news and it doesn't look good for you guys. So that's great that you're following up with that head of household letter to make sure voters are informed. What are the things that are being decided on the 24th of? A number of things are on the ballot from U.S. Senate to the, the local judicial, sheriff, uh, U.S. representative. Explain what is meant by the nonpartisan general election. The nonpartisan ballot are, contains the judicial races and also... If you live in Alpharetta, that will be on there, or and you will also be able to vote on the the school district reauthorization. So those are that that's all that is on the nonpartisan ballot. The Republican 
And the, the primary ballots, the Republican and the Democratic ballot, have their own party ballots plus the nonpartisan. So when people are driving around all these various neighborhoods in Fulton County and in other counties in our listening area, and they see all of these signs for people who want to be judges, for example, because I see a lot of those in, in my community, those are people who are either running for reelection or for open seats or to unseat someone. Is that is that how that works? Yes. Most of the races are you have an incumbent that's running unopposed on the nonpartisan ballot. And then there are some open seats. And in those open seats, you will tend to see multiple people running in those races. The nonpartisan ballot also, at least those judicial races, um, they are decided now and there you won't have a so they don't show up on the november ballot this is a decision this this time this month correct are there any statewide constitutional amendments on the ballot not that i well on this general primary the parties have have um statements that you can vote in support of or against um but uh for this election no all right what does a voter need to have with him or her when he or she shows up at his or her precinct on Tuesday? The voter needs to have um, a form of approved ID with a photo, and that can include a driver's license, a passport, a um, can be a military ID, a tribal ID, any sort of government-issued Um, identification that is a photo ID, like an employee ID. And there's also another form of ID, which is a voter can get at our office or you can go to the DPS and get just a photo identification. And we can do provide those at our office. It's going to be different than the one that you get. But it's only the, the one that is provided at our office is only for voting, but okay. you can get a DPS identification as well. Which would be good for any other time when an, an individual needs to present identification. identification. Yes. Okay, so you've got to show it with a photo ID. Anything else? That's it. All right. Um, people may have questions about who's on the ballot, and then they may want to do a little bit more reading. How might a voter find a sample ballot? If a voter wants to see a sample ballot, they can go to FultonElections.com or uh, the My Voter page at the Secretary of State. That also provides information. Either one of those resources um, is good for the basic information. Now, they're looking for information on candidates and and what, you know, their stands on issues, then they're going to need to you know, read in the newspaper or Google it. What do we expect turnout to be for a general election primary such as this on May 24th? Historically, it's been around 25 percent for this this type of an election. During early voting so far, the numbers are about the same as they were for the presidential preference primary. And I'm leaning towards that 25 percent turnout number, which means that more people are going to be participating in early voting than perhaps they did during the presidential preference primary. However, I I think we had over 200,000 people vote in March, which even beat the 2008 number. And 
I think that um, this time we're probably going to be looking at the 125,000 to 150,000 range for turnout. And still 20 to 25 percent. That's just not that great, is it? Unfortunately not. And the way and, you know, Georgia's um, the way Georgia um, calculates its its turnout numbers, it inflates it versus what I've seen in other states because they only count the number of people that vote. Um, against the active voter count rather than the the entire active and inactive voters. So it makes Georgia's numbers look better. Than they really are. Mm -hmm. Uh, What is the definition of an inactive voter? An inactive voter is someone that active voters are people basically that we we know for sure they're living in that at that address and they vote regularly and we have basically we have contact with them. One, a voter can go to inactive if we get a piece of mail back from that address that it, it's returned. Um, and that voter can still be living in the county. And Fulton County has a lot of, has a, has a very transient population. It moves around in the county a lot, more so than, than most, uh, most of the other counties in the state and even in the country. So, or it can be somebody that hasn't voted in two general elections and then they, they get moved from active to um, an inactive status. Um, but any, and then anytime we get mail back, we do send a confirmation notice to, to confirm that that person did not, does not, in fact, live there anymore. How do you find out when folks have died and therefore definitely need to be permanently on the inactive voter list? Or purge from it altogether. Uh, vital records and also um, the obituary in the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. In theory, a voter goes to the ballot box and they get the card, they put the card in, they cast their ballot, and in theory, it's an anonymous vote. However, voters are overwhelmed during campaign season with materials from various candidates, which might suggest that folks know how you voted or in what party you might have voted. How does, can you talk to us a little bit about that? Basically, voter lists can be, uh, like a, a political party can can request a, what's a voter list or voter history. And what those do is they tell the, for example, the Republican Party who has voted in the Republican primary in the past uh, or and, and or vice versa with the Democratic Party. So they get these lists. Sometimes those lists are old and somebody may have changed their voting pattern since then. But basically they go off these lists and those mailers and they provide them to their candidates. And that's if you're if you're receiving um, a lot of mail from Democratic candidates, it's because that party feels as though you they think that you voted in that primary in the past and that is your voting history that's all they have is it just shows in which primary you voted so so the parties are able to come to the elections offices at the state level and in the various county levels where everything is managed and ask you all to pull a list of names of people who voted in a Democratic primary or in a Republican primary, and upon that, that is how that mail is distributed. Right. That's all confidential, and it is also um, the the parties pay for those. They pay for those lists from each each county as well. 
what are we missing? What is it that I, I should have asked you that I haven't? Sometimes, you know, my list is not as good as your, what's in your brain. Well, the one thing that I like to point out, especially for seniors and disabled people, that on election day, if they vote between 9.30 and 4.30, they can go to the front of the line. During early voting, uh, seniors, well, and this is defined as 75 and older, uh, and disabled voters can go to the front of the line during early voting at any of the 24 locations all day long. And and then that's true 9.30 to 4.30 on Election Day. And that's senior citizens, 75 and older, and disabled people. So you either they're visibly disabled walking with a cane or some other assistance parked in the disabled parking, et cetera, and they can just automatically go to the front of the line. Correct. That's good to know. Richard Barron, we appreciate you. I know you're going to be busy over the next few days, but thanks for coming in and spending a few minutes to lay this out for the voters in our community. I was happy to have the opportunity. Thank you. And now we're going to change our focus a little bit and put a spotlight on somebody who might be on a ballot at some point in the future, and then maybe not. He's definitely a leader in the community, a young leader in our community, and that is something that we need. In the studio now is Mitch Reiner. He is the 2016 Outstanding Young Alumni from the University of Georgia's Terry College of Business. He is currently leading a group called Wonder Root, and we're going to ask him about that. He is the partner and chief operating officer at Capital Investment Advisors, a recent graduate of Lead Atlanta, which is a partner program to Leadership Atlanta. And you're just, how do you find the time, Mitch, to do everything that you do? Thanks for stopping by. Thanks for having me. Um, How do I find the time? I think that uh, you've got to stay focused and choose very few things and do them very deeply. That's kind of um, my, my, my wife said to me the other day when I turned down an offer, an opportunity to do something else. She said to my son, she said, see, Micah, your daddy does know how to say no. <laughs> That's very, very important. Well, congratulations on being recognized by the Terry College of Business at Georgia. That had to make you feel very special. Thank you very much. That's a great honor. Uh, I will say that with great honor such as that comes phenomenal responsibility. And being a young alumni means that I have many more years to have to make even greater impact. And um, I accept that burden. And you are working with an organization, an arts organization called Wonder Root. Tell us about that. Yeah, so Wonder Root's uh, an amazing organization. I've been recently, um, again, honored to be elected as the board president Um We are doing great work in the Atlanta community. The um, mission of the organization is to bring together um, the arts and the general community to inspire positive social change. That's a big concept, I know, to wrap uh, your head around. Um, A a good example of the work that we're doing, we're working with the the, the justice system, um, uh, dealing with first-time nonviolent offenders, um, and they have an opportunity to opt into a program to use the arts to find a way to channel their emotions and and find a way to be an outlet versus uh, other ways of, of, um, you know, kind of using those emotions. And the idea is to bring down the recidivism rate of these first-time nonviolent offenders through the arts. So learning about uh, the arts as a channeling mechanism and figuring out how to use that as a business or turn that into a passion center for you. Um, And we're really excited about our early results on that. Now, did Wonder Root find you or did you find the organization? 
my uh, the the organization found me. The president uh, or the executive director of the organization and I also sat together on another board um, uh, for the Atlanta Global Shapers, which is an organization through the World Economic Forum. We both um, saw that we complemented each other, respected the way that we worked together. As Wonderroot is transitioning, um, we are actually moving from a four thousand square foot community arts center on Memorial Drive into an old Atlanta public school building um, called Tech high, a 55,000 square foot building, literally across the street in the Memorial Corridor, you know, the one of the hottest areas in town. And as we are transitioning that organization, literally going from a 4,000 square foot organization to 55,000, our business model is changing tremendously. We're um, hiring people, we're turning into a revenue model where you don't have to f- depend on uh, fundraising every single year to complete and, and fulfill our mission, but we are, we actually have revenue that will be, produ- that will be producing inside of the organization to fulfill our mission. So as we are transitioning, um, he was needing to boost on the board some business um, efforts. And uh, so so that was our complimentary. We, we respected each other working together on a previous board. The organization kind of needed what I love to do and have focused on in my professional career. So it just was a kind of good match made. Why is it important to you, especially people in your age group, as we noted, you're the outstanding young alum in the University of Georgia's Terry College of Business this year. We're finding with millennials and people your age, because you may be maybe a year past the millennial Mm -hmm. stage, but unlike the baby boomers, not only do you need that that fulfillment of the occupation, the work, but there has to be that other component, which you're telling us about, which is community. Yeah, you know. I just have this other bucket, and I and I think that uh, people are looking for ways to 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 quote unquote get involved. You know, it it just it just fills another need that you have to be inspired and um and and be doing great work and seeing real material impact and um. You know, I we, you could easily uh, just have two pillars, you know, business and family, right. and, and do those things really well. Um, but if you have passion and 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 are and have skills, um, the community can use you, and 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 you are valuable, and find the right place that that fulfills that. There's another part of your heart, your 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 um your your motivation, your personality, um, that if you find the right opportunity and can make real impact, not sit on a board and nod your head at meetings and just show up and put it fill a resume, but literally make a impact. You, you will feel really empowered and fulfilled across your entire life. Mitch, corporate America, for her, as long as we've known, has had uh, a knowledge and acknowledgement and a responsibility to be a good corporate citizen in the communities where they operate, in the communities where they operate. And yet now there's a need and I think greater purpose in putting a name on that because corporations have now leaders who are responsible for uh, civic and social responsibility and making sure that they are out there. Is that because this younger generation, people like you and people who are younger than you, want to work at places and we as consumers want to do business with companies that are 
active in the community and are more socially responsible? That's a really interesting, heavy question. Yes, you, you see companies like Tom's or um, like Zappos um, who have very uh, mission-driven objectives. And we sometimes like to do business with people that we know are going to give a portion of their profits or whatever. Uh, we, we definitely are, we definitely as a generation feel more part of the community and wanting to lift all boats. Um, so I think that that does play a part in attracting good talent um, to have that kind of mission-driven philosophy as a business. Um, I would say it is our you know, when I think about CIA, our business and, and Wella, you know, we we see ourselves as part of the greater Atlanta community. I mean, this is a great city that's changing immensely right now. And we are growing as an organization in a business. And so therefore, and so is our city. So let's all play together and build and create more uh, a thriving and equitable lives for all of Atlanta. Um, and so it's it's just it's our responsibility and we want to be a part of this uh, great community and, and and I and I represent our organization just as Wes does with the great work he does here on WSB. Looking ahead to what you've got coming up in the next year, uh, where's your focus going to be? Yeah, so again I, I have to I have to bucket uh, my life just to keep things organized. And, um, I, I, I have a beautiful wife, um, and an incredible family. So number one priority is enjoying these kids because, uh, they're only this age one time. So anyway, that's my, that is a priority is my family. Uh, our business is evolving tremendously. Um, uh, from from our traditional wealth management business and also Wella, which is really the the next generation's financial advisor, pulling up an open table like app and scheduling a FaceTime chat with your financial advisor instead of going to some fancy office. Um, we're developing that over Atlanta Tech Village, um, and then from a community perspective, again, I'm dead focused on two very specific initiatives, um, uh, and and that is leading Wonderroot through this transitional this 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 huge transition going from a seven hundred thousand dollar a year budget organization to a two million dollar budget a year organization and making real impacts on the arts community um, and greater Atlanta community and then the Terry College of Business I'm the chairman of board of trustees um, for the student managed investment fund which is 45 students who sit in a class every week and talk about how the falling price of oil may affect the technology stocks in their portfolio and uh, in growing that program and impact of the university um, uh, within the southeast so I uh, so three pillars, family, business, community, and then within community, definitely Wonderroot is a dead focus as well as uh, Terry. Way to pay it forward. Congratulations, Mitch Reiner, the 2016 Outstanding Young Alum from the University of Georgia's Terry College of Business and partner at Capital Investment Advisors. Oh, we're uh, happy to have you. Thank you, Connors. Perspectives is a half hour we produce with you in mind. If there's something you think we ought to be talking about, let me hear from you. Tweet me, condo 29 on Twitter, or leave a message on our Facebook page. We do appreciate your listening and hope you'll be back next week at this same time as we examine another perspective.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.